So Esther chapter 4, beginning with verse 5. Then Esther called for Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs, who had been appointed to attend her, and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what this was and why it was. Hathak went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. And Mordecai told him all that had happened to him. And the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued in Susa for their destruction, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her and command her to go to the king, to beg his favor and to plead with him on behalf of her people. That's what he's asking her. Hathak went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hathak and commanded him to go to Mordecai and say, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there's but one law to be put to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come in to the king these 30 days. So they told Mordecai what Esther had said. And Mordecai told them to reply it to Esther. Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. In the crux of the book of Esther is a choice. Uh, that, that she is making a decision, Esther has to make a decision of, of who she'll be. Of whose side she's on. And it's not an easy dilemma, is it? Um, Pretty much either choice that she makes, there's the very real probability of her death. But there she is, caught in the middle with this choice. And there's no way out of it. She can't avoid the responsibility for, for what she picks to do. So will she keep silent? Will she hide uh, her true uh, self, hoping for some other way of deliverance to, to end up happening? Or will she, will she speak out? Will she reveal her identity and take up the opportunities or the responsibility of the position that she finds herself in? And, and in the book of Esther, what we see is it is, it is through Esther's choice It is through Esther's choice that God's promise of redemption continues. Not that God was dependent on what Esther would do. 
But it is through Esther's choice that God's promise of redemption continues even to us down to this day. That was Esther's choice. Now, I don't really like making choices. I don't know about you. Uh, most of y'all, if you know me a little bit, know that I'm extremely indecisive, um, which is why, yes, if I'm going to meet with you and say, hey, let's hang out somewhere, I always say, where do you want to meet? <laughs> you, you choose, because if you start telling me, I'll start listening through, yeah, Will's shaking his head, I'll start listening through nine different places and then say, oh, we could go here, 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 because I still don't know how to make that choice. What I do if I have to make a choice is I pretty much try to avoid making that choice. And then if I really have to make the choice, uh, then uh, you know, we will find that I'm extremely, uh, extremely indecisive, very slow to make the choice. Um, Karen and I joke, because we're both a little bit this way, uh, that God's gift to the world was making us marry one another uh, so that other people don't have to put up with our slow decision-making. It works for both of us. Um, we sat at the mall one time trying to get a picture uh, framed, and... <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been to a picture frame place, but there are a lot of different choices of what kind of frame you would get, what size, what color, and then you think you get that figured out, and then they bring out like the mats, like what what size and color of mat. So we spent like, you know, I don't know, probably a couple of hours or close to a couple of hours in this place, and then the mall was about to close, and we weren't anywhere closer to a decision, so... Very sorry to the salesman, but it's time for us to go. We'll try not to ever do this to you again. I don't, I don't, like, I don't like making decisions. Um, but the fact, the fact of the matter is uh, we're making decisions all the time, every day. Alarm goes off in the morning. What are you going to do? <laughs> you could just get up out of bed, but you could also just you know, reach over, hit the snooze on the clock. Pull the plug out of the out of the wall, throw it against the room. Are you going to get up? Or are you going to stay in bed? I decide you're going to you're going to get up. Okay. Well, what are you going to do? You're going to get are you going to get dressed? You have to pick out something to wear then. And then you have the choice of like, well, who are you? Who are you getting dressed for? Are you getting dressed for yourself? Of like, just what you feel like wearing because the mood that you're in today? Or well, who are you? Water bottle. That's why I should only have one at a time. Choices. Which water bottle am I going to drink from here in a little bit? Um, who, who are you going to see later in the day? Who are you going to spend your time with? Uh, are you are you going to dress for uh, for them? And which group of people that you might be around are you going to pick the clothes to uh, that's going to fit best best if you're with that group of people? Right. Um, some of y'all, maybe you just like grab whatever's in their closet. I can't help but think through all the different choices that are there whenever I'm doing something. Maybe you think about all those things. You don't know who, what you're going to do, who you're going to spend time with. And you start feeling all the choices and you're like, forget it. I'm just going to sit down on my computer. Someone's got to post something interesting for me on Facebook, right? So then you're just scrolling down uh, through Facebook, but you have to make the decision. Are you going to post something on Facebook? Or are you just going to leave, leave it there, right? And then you're, you're scrolling through and you see something that you like. So do you click like? Or just keep keep scrolling. You know, once you click like on one thing, do you have to like the other things equally? And there's just choices constantly, everything that you're doing. And listen to me, in, in many ways, even in the small choices that you're making, what you're doing is you're defining yourself. You're saying something about who you are. Uh, even the small things of what you wear, of, of who you're wearing that for. Um, you're saying, I like this, but, but I don't like that. Uh, I'm okay with these things, but, but I refuse these other things, or I'm just going to ignore uh, those parts of, of what my reality uh, is. I'm going to dress like these people because I like these styles, and it fits who I think I am. 
And it doesn't mean that I don't like these other people, but it, but if I'm dressing this way, it means I'm not dressing that way. And maybe that affects things. You're, you're defining, you're saying to people with the choices that you make, hey, this is who I am. Uh, this, is, this is what my values are. This is what motivates me. This is what drives me. This is what I care about. This is what I do in my life the way that I live it. And so even the small decisions become formative of, of who you are, of what roads you're willing to walk along. And, and there's not really any way out of making decisions. You can choose to be passive uh, or you can choose uh, to be active, but you're still choosing which of those two is your favorite, to be active or passive in decision-making. Um, the, the garden of forking paths, as it were, is, is always in front of you, and every step that you make, uh, you're, you're choosing a course. And only you can choose uh, the course and walk yourself through it. You're choosing for yourself. You're choosing uh, your place. Just as Esther has, a, has a, a choice in this book, in the crux of your life is, is a choice. Choosing your place. Um, your place in the world, uh, maybe your place in history, be it great or slight. Uh, your place in, in life, uh, in friendships, in the day and how your day goes forward. You're choosing your place. So as we go through looking at Esther, and particularly these verses, but really looking through all of Esther, I want you to, I want you to ask yourself this question. How do I choose? Not give me some answer for how do I choose, but, but even, interest, even like looking at yourself and looking at your life and your experiences, how do you choose? How do you choose which things that you do? Is it just kind of what's expected of you? Is it throwing off what's expected of you and going... Making your own road, how, how do you choose um, the things that you decide on? As we go through the passage, we're going to look at two different sides of that. Uh, choosing for yourself and choosing against yourself. This is going to be the framework for how we're going to march through this and look at this passage. Choosing for yourself or choosing against yourself. But how do you choose? Especially when it comes uh, to religious questions. It's definitely the focus of this passage as we're reading it here. What's your place with God? Uh, with the things that, that he says. The things that he says about himself uh, or about us or about the world uh, and the way that the Bible's written, um, how it's come to us. Uh, what's your place with that? Do you, do you agree? Uh, do you disagree? Uh, do you find that it's the primary thing to find in your life or do you find that it's less important than that? Uh, that there's other things that may outweigh that? Um, that balance out differently. Are, are there things about God what you're committed to? Uh, or are they things that are oftentimes convenient uh, for you or what choices you would make? How do you, how do you choose? How do you choose what's your place with God's, God's people? That's part of the essence of the choice that Esther uh, is making here. It wasn't known who she was. What's your place uh, with God's, God's people? Are you distancing yourself from... Other Christians? Or, or do you find yourself living as if you're family with them? Uh, or are they the family that you would like to uh, disown or ignore and not ever call or hope that they don't come visit? Uh, or the family uh, that you are excited to be with and want to talk to, that you're posting pictures uh, because you're proud of them uh, and you're with the close intimacy of a relationship? 
And particularly, how are you choosing your place in God's purpose of redemption? Uh, you're not put in the same place that Esther uh, has as a unique uh, thing in history. But what, how, what's your place in relation to God's purpose of redemption? Are, are you willing to, to live in it and what God offers through it? Are you willing to face death for it? Uh, and it's not just what do you choose, but how. How do you choose what you choose? Esther, in this book, in this passage, makes, makes a dangerous choice. Makes an extremely dangerous choice. She makes a choice uh, to speak up. And to speak up for God's people. Uh, she says, then I will go to the king. Oh, it's against the law. And how does she frame it? If I perish... I perish. So first, choosing for yourself. Uh, that's our first point. Choosing for yourself. Because in, in one sense, you're always choosing for yourself. You're making your own decisions. No one else can really make it uh, for you. But it's important for us to recognize the responsibility of that, of choosing for yourself. right? Because in, in college, kind of one of the cool things about this stage of life is that you're uh, passing out of childhood and into uh, adulthood where you make your own choices. I always say of college students that you're adults who are learning how to be adults. all right? Because you're, you're no longer, uh, in, in the same ways, uh, your choices aren't so confined and limited uh, by, your, by your parents and their opinions by their deep love for you that wants to protect you and take care of you, that feels to you confining and oppressive and restrictive, and why do they have to do that, right? All of a sudden now, you've got a lot of freedom and choices. What I say to to folks is that FSU, almost every choice is an option for you. Uh, Good, bad, otherwise. Uh, It's all here, and you get to choose what it is that you want to do. Um. You get, you get to make those decisions. You also, have you noticed this, that you also kind of find out who you are uh, by the strange choices that you, that you end up making? Uh, that you're like, well, I was up till 3 a.m. four times this week doing, doing what? Like, I was just hanging out with people and playing games and having fun, and I've got a test on Friday. Why, why was I up till 3 again? Um, but those are the choices that were there, right? Or, or sometimes it's uh, talking to a friend saying, remind me again, why did I date that guy? What was I thinking? Uh, or the guy, what, what did I see in her? Why would why this relationship go on so long? Um, or you know, sometimes you get here as a freshman, by the end of the year you're going, okay, after, after a whole year in college I went to church how many times? Really? But I, I thought I was more religious than that, right? Or I know, but I'm finding my religion and other spiritual things. Here's these different things that I'm doing, and we look at this. Well, you're starting to see the choices that you make. Um, or if someone actually did the research and counted, counted it up for you, right, and presented it back to you, I only spent how many hours actually studying for my classes outside of, outside of that, especially when it's not like for a test that's coming up? Um, you're choosing for yourself. Uh, and, and listen, Scripture recognizes this. Uh, the book of Proverbs, I would say the book of Proverbs is basically addressed to uh, college students. It's basically addressed to the college uh, stage in life. It's, it's uh, uh, express audiences, young men away from home uh, at court uh, and learning how to, how to live in that, in that context. And the way the book of Proverbs presents uh, God's message to us is in the form of, of advice. 
Uh, right? Uh, advice about the choices that are in front of you. Now, it's authoritative advice because it's advice coming from God. But what it's doing is telling you, here are the choices. And it goes into describing. It's always saying there's this side and there's this side. And it, and it tells you what those choices really are. And it tells you what those choices, uh, where they really lead. But what it does is recognize that you're the one making the decisions. What choices are you making? How are you making those choices? Because you're choosing uh, for yourself. Now, now the book of Esther, uh, with its focus right at the end of it on the Feast of Purim, where this is, continues to be, where this book continues to be read, uh, and so Purim on lots, the, the casting of lots or the throw of the die, uh, what this book does is it highlights what seems to be chance or randomness. Um, it, it emphasizes events that are beyond our control. And so what's clear to us is however much we're making choices, we can't define reality by the choices that we make. We can't define our reality or our experience by our decisions. Because what we looked at last thing is everything can change by one guy not being able to sleep well one night. Um, looked at in the book of, book of Esther, what happens is the king can't sleep well, one night, and so he reads a book that reminds him something more, and, and the fortunes of God's people seem to tilt and pivot around that event. But all of it is under God's control, God's, God's providence, but it's outside of our control, outside of just the choices that we can make. Up till then, it would have seemed that everything Haman was choosing was going uh, his way. Um, we're, we're not able to define our reality by our own decisions, but we're, we're still defining ourselves by our choices. Uh, and that responsibility is ours. And, and so I love when we come to this passage the way that Mordecai presents the question to Esther. Uh, what he, what he uh, calls for her to uh, in this. He's already, he's already told her, uh, asked her, you see in verses 8 and 9, or shown her what's going on, and uh, uh, commands her to go to the king to beg his favor, to plead on behalf of his, his, her people. Uh, but then you see in verse 13 to 14, as, as Esther's unsure of this, how's Mordecai respond? Don't think that to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews who are about to be exterminated by this. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows, he says, whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. He puts the choice in front of us, in front of her. Um, and, and do you notice in the way that he states it that there's one outcome that he's, at least one outcome that he's certain of? At least in the way it's stated to Esther. That the relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews, will arise for God's people. Maybe it's going to arise through Esther, maybe not through anything that she does, but relief uh, and deliverance for, for God's people, for the Jews, will rise. It's unsaid in the book of Esther why, uh, why Mordecai could give that statement. Um, but you put this book in the rest of all the books of Scripture that it's surrounded by, and what you see is that God's purposes stand. And when he makes a promise, he makes good on that. And if he's promised redemption uh, for the world through, uh, through his son, through the Messiah, that he will bring uh, as the seed of David uh, through his, his people... 
through, through, the, through the ethnic uh, nation state of, of Israel and their, their descendants, that from that will come uh, a seed of the woman who, uh, who extend the promises of the gospel out to all nations. That's the promise that God's given. And if, and if the Jews are exterminated, then God's a liar. Or God isn't able to continue faithfulness in his people. But God's purposes stand. And Mordecai says, however it comes, God's able to continue his work of redemption. But as we stand here right now, it's unseen. It's unseen how that's going to happen. Will it be through anything that Esther does? Mordecai isn't saying, hey, if you go and ask, I know that everything's going to work out all right. He's asked her and she said, hey, asking me that could mean I die. And he he recognized that. Uh, It's unseen how they will progress. Will they progress with us or without us? But he says, who knows whether you've not come into a kingdom for such a time as this. There's a choice that stands in front of her because of the opportunity that she has. Uh, if you can see it this way, then, uh, it's not that God's providence in all these things, even a king's sleepless night, means that it's all just set in stone and nothing, nothing matters. God's going to work out his principles. He's worked out all the ways that it's going to happen. But in fact, God's overarching providence can actually place more weight upon the choices that we make. He's saying God's purposes are going to go forward, but will you stand with those purposes or against it? What choice are you making in the middle of the unseen reality of how the future is going to continue to take place. Esther has to choose for herself. We see the choice that she makes. Uh, she chooses for herself, but, but I want you to point out, and I want, want you to see here that in another sense she doesn't choose for herself. That's not what she chooses uh, for. Part of what's so great here, to take the, take the phrase in a different sense, is that she didn't choose simply for herself, for what she wanted, for what she thought would be good uh, for her. At the beginning of uh, Esther, it seems that Queen Vashti chooses for herself. Xerxes wanted to come parade her before uh, his friends, and she refuses. She says, I'm more important than that. I shouldn't be treated that way, by you who are my husband, and just be uh, rallied around before your friends. I'm not saying she wasn't right there. She chooses uh, for herself. She doesn't want to be dishonored through these things um, that, uh, that, he, that he's asking her to do. And so what does Xerxes do? I swear, Xerxes, what, what, he, he chooses for himself. Uh, without making very good choices and without deciphering all of it, he just listens to some very foolish advice uh, from his counselors. But then what he chooses is, is for himself. He, he, he's going to reject Vashti. He's, she's not going to be queen anymore. Why? For himself to look good. Because he doesn't want, uh, he wants to be, set, be able to be said to be master of his own house. So if his wife doesn't do whatever he commands her to do, uh, then she's out. Uh, he's, he's just concerned uh, for himself. Uh, Xerxes is choosing for himself when he decides uh, how he'll pick a new queen. A more uh, foolish advice by just gathering up all the finest virgins in the city and uh, spending a night with each one of them and find, find out which one he likes the best. Who's he choosing for as he's making these decisions? Certainly not the young girls uh, for himself. After, after spending one night with Esther... And being more pleased with her than all the other women and seeing her fine beauty. 
and deciding for her to be queen. He's choosing for himself. I would say uh, in the story that Mordecai, as well, is, is choosing for himself. Uh, when he sees Haman, and, and the king has given Haman this, uh, uh, this status of being second in the, you know, his right-hand man, and everyone should bow to him, and Mordecai, not going to do it. Um, that, there's a, that there's an arrogant stubbornness. He'll bow before the, before the king. Seemingly would bow before other of the king's officials, but he's not going to bow before this guy uh, because he's related to enemies way back down the line. Now, some some would debate and see it it differently, Uh, but there seems to be some stubborn arrogance of just concern for himself that Mordecai's uh, choosing on the basis of. Another character in the story of Haman, this, this guy who was the right-hand man and, and uh, descendants of the enemies of God's people. And he certainly uh, chose for, his, for himself. Uh, because when Mordecai wouldn't bow the knee to him or pay homage to him, it hurt his pride. He was so insecure, he couldn't handle this one guy not saying, yeah, you're the best, or you're like the second best of the king, but you're awesome, yes, yeah, so you're, you're, you know, I'm, 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 I'm for you. He was injured by Mordecai's snub, and so what does he decide to do? He chooses for himself, not only am I going to get back in Mordecai, I'm going to get rid of all of Mordecai's people, all of his family, uh, all of the Jews. He chooses for himself when he decides, uh, after he's already set up this whole plot on a particular day for the Jews to be exterminated, but Mordecai's still not acknowledging him, and it's really gotten to him. He talks to his wife and some of his counselors, and they say, you know what, go ahead, if he's bothering you, have a gallows built and go to the king and go ahead and take your revenge on him now. Who's, Mordecai, uh, who's Haman choosing for? For himself. Against uh, his enemies as this gallows uh, uh, built. Um, when, the, when he comes into the king's uh, presence and the king says, Hey, Haman, what should I do to the man that the king delights to honor? How does Haman answer? He answers for himself. He says, Whom could the king delight to honor except me? Mordecai is not on his mind at all. And he answers with all this pomp of of what he thinks maybe the king would do for him. His concern is for himself. He attends uh, Esther's feast the first and the second time. Why? Because he's excited with his importance that he gets to be the one uh, in such a privileged relationship that he and the uh, the king and the queen are the ones that sit down uh, to dinner at this feast with one another. And it was because he chose for himself that Haman ended up being impaled on the gallows that he had made for his enemies. And what's so striking in this narrative is that Esther doesn't choose for herself. She chooses against herself. That's the second point I want us to look at. Choosing against yourself As Esther puts it, having made the choice in verse 16, she says, if I perish, I perish. Uh, That's what Esther says about the choice uh, that she's making. It's not something that looks like it's just going to work out great for her. It's not primarily for her own benefit that she decides that she's going to go to the king and ask him uh, uh, to help her and her people. Uh, Verse 11 has already made clear that this is not the choice that she wants uh, for herself. It says, everyone knows that whoever goes into the king inside the inner court without being called, there's but one law, but to be put to death, except the one to whom the king uh, holds out the golden scepter. Mordecai said, hey, you should do this. And she said, oh, um, you know, if I do that, I'm probably going to die. Do you get what you're asking? This is not 
what I should do or what I want to do. That's what she ends up doing. And we see something in Esther uh, that is beautiful, that's impressive, uh, that's brave and daring, uh, that's commendable, that's even, even heroic from the choice that she makes. Because she's choosing not for herself, she's choosing against herself. But I want you to realize, in contrast with this, how much what we hear is that choose for yourself is the best choice. Uh, is what we should, all, all around us, not only what we hear from all sides uh, around us, but even just naturally what we want, uh, how we want to choose, is to choose for ourselves. Hmm, like, if I, do I want some brownies back there or some of the hummus? Well, what would I like better? Right? It's just, I mean, just the way we go about anything is, is what do I want for myself? How does it benefit me? What gain do I have? What experience do I get from it? Uh, I'm the aim by which I'm, I'm making this decision. Uh, whatever works best for us. That's what you hear in advertising uh, all around you is, here, choose this because... Uh, not, not because it's worthwhile, uh, uh, because it contributes to society, because it's for you, because it's going to make your life what you want. It's going to be better uh, for you. Uh, we're surrounded by this. We think this naturally so much that, that choosing for yourself is your best choice, that, that oftentimes what we hear or what we think is that this is, this is almost our, our right, that, that we should have the opportunity to, right, the, the, to self-actualize our deepest identity, by choosing what we want for ourselves. And we're frustrated when someone takes choices away from us, right? Um, and sometimes the choice is not particularly significant, but we're given choices about everything, right? So um, are you going to drive a Ford or are you going to drive a Chevy? Do you want to have uh, uh, Pepsi or would you like to have Coke? But if you're on campus, if all they have is Coke. I like Pepsi. Why did Florida State take away my right to be able to self-actualize by drinking Pepsi, right? I don't believe Coke's slogan that to open Coke is to open happiness. I defy them. I want to choose my own reality of happiness, which takes place through drinking a soft and not, not a soft drink of Pepsi. <laughs> we get frustrated when people take the choices away from us. Um, we, we want to frame everything according to choice, and we think that, that that's, what's, that's what's right. It, it, it's our right. We should all have the freedom to choose. Not just the freedom to choose, it's to, ch- to choose whatever we want for ourselves. Um, which news media do you want to listen to? Uh, you, you're going to listen to Fox, or you're going to listen to uh, CNN, or you're going to find, find some other thing. Uh, uh, which store are you going to buy your clothes in? Um, even if you're down like a same you know, stripe of, uh, of things, you're like, but are you going to buy from Old Navy or Gap or Banana Republic? <laughs> like this, it's owned by the same people, but you're still choosing. Or, or ditch all that and you're going for the thrift store, right? Like you're not paying $50 and all these things. You're going for your grandfather's clothes. You know how you want it to go. <laughs> Throwing out the man, defining yourself. Which phone service do you use? You've got to be able to have the choice of the provider of what you're picking, how you want it to go. Or, right, like which place, which restaurant are you going to go to after Moe's? I mean, after RUF. Subtle slip of the tongue there. Are you going to Moe's? Is Sammy's is Sammy Swarma going to win out? And, it, and if I told all of you that you have to go to Moe's or that you have to go to Sammy Swarma, that this is required and you have no choice in the matter, uh, you would rebel and not listen to me at all uh, because your choice is what matters. Uh, right, or all these other places to go. Um, uh, most of the time, what we want is the freedom to be selfish. 
if we're honest about it. Uh, and, and we often think that, that that ability is how we gain the highest level of worth for ourselves, uh, the highest level of living, uh, the highest identity of our true self, of what we wanted, by being able to choose uh, for ourselves, just in selfishness. But why did Esther choose differently? Why did Esther choose against herself? She already had a trend of hiding her identity. It wasn't that people already knew who her people were uh, and and how she was uh, different and set apart because she belonged to God. She had not lived the way Daniel and his companions uh, had when they went into Babylon. Uh, Mordecai has told her, don't tell anyone. And she hadn't told anyone. Um, And it seemed to have worked out well because she's not known as the poor, orphaned, exile Jewish uh, girl. She's known as Queen Esther. Um, why is she choosing differently? Okay, yes, if you're reading the story, it certainly, it certainly probably helped and swayed her some that she might die if she made the other choice too, right? It's not that she's just choosing possibly die but sacrifice for your people or possibly live, die the other way, right? It's, it's a choice between, uh, between death uh, in some ways, uh, either choice that she makes. Um, and, and maybe we think... Um, Maybe we think it an honorable example that she cared for the Jews, that she cared uh, for her people, um, and she didn't want so many people to die needlessly. Right? That we would hope that any of us placed in a situation where uh, an entire race of people, uh, genocide, are just going to be exterminated, that we would say, I'm not going to keep silent. I'm going I'm to say something. If I perish, I perish. I should say something. Uh, but, but I want you to realize this is, she's not just a heroically altruistic uh, figure with this great act of human kindness. Um, you remember day two of Purim, uh, right? She asked for this day from the king, and he says, okay, that day is gone. What do you want to do now? And she says, give me another day for my people to continue to slaughter our enemies. And because of her extra request, uh, by the end of the two days, 75,000 people in the kingdom are dead. Uh, so you can't look at Esther as just this altruistic act of human kindness uh, for life and generally, she's not just choosing for herself to be a great example to all of, of life and love for her fellow man or fellow woman. Um, she's choosing her place. She's choosing against herself, against her selfishness, against ways that might work out best for her. And she chooses her place, choosing her place with God. Choosing her place as being one of his people, and standing with and for his purposes. And should she die, so be it. But she will live on God's side. The heroism doesn't just come from some higher level of human kindness. It comes from a willingness to side with God, to put his agenda above her own and above every other uh, agenda. Even if, as you see in the book, it comes out in a reluctant willingness. And yet that's the ultimate choice that she makes. Not knowing how it will work out for her. She's not like, you know, they're probably going to write a book about me. Everyone's going to read it. They're going to say, Esther's this great hero. You should be like her. <laughs> she's, she's giving up what she has. She's giving up the position of being queen. Of having influence. Of being respected. She's giving it up and dying 
to herself and expecting that death might really come for the choices she's making. But through Esther choosing, what happened? Not only the death of 75,000 people uh, who are the enemies of God's people, but the continuance of the people of God. The continuance of the Jewish race that otherwise would have been annihilated. And so, the continuance of the seed of the Messiah, of the line of David, to which God had promised one would arise who would save uh, his people from their sins, through whom all the nations uh, would come. The line is extended and continued until the hope of salvation would come to all the world through Jesus Christ, whom God has sent. It came through Esther, not choosing for herself, but choosing against herself with God's purposes. So as you're asking yourself, what do you see? How do you choose? What's at the bottom of the reasons of the decisions that you make and why you make them? How do, you, how do you choose? In the big decisions of life or just in the small details of waking up in the morning and what you're going to wear and what you're going to do? Because you're choosing your place. You're choosing where your place is going to be. How do you, how do you choose? Are you choosing for yourself? Selfishly, what gives you more of what you want? For having a better day, hopefully. We're choosing even against yourself for a purpose higher than your own existence. And we can take a lot of other things and put them in there. It's not just selfish. I'm, I'm pursuing this cause. Hey, maybe, maybe there was more that Haman was pursuing than just uh, his selfishness. Uh, but, but there's no cause other than, other than God's that's truly higher than everything else that can actually sustain, uh, that, can sustain uh, that weight put upon it. Any other thing that we would set ourselves to and say, I'm choosing against myself for this great cause, uh, ends up being destructive of us. Uh, usually destructive of others. I choose my people against these other people. Um, God's purposes are are higher. There's some reality that this is admitting that we are under God and His, and His purposes stand. Instead of rebelling against that, we will uh, align ourselves uh, with Him. Now, less still, what you're hearing is just kind of a bland uh, call to moralistic altruism, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not just saying, don't be selfish, be more considerate of others. Because uh, that would involve like 75,000 other people dying. I'm not just saying, uh, be, be less selfish and be considerate of more worthy uh, causes. Uh, but to make explicit what's only more hidden in the story of Esther, this story leads forward and points to Jesus. Jesus says this story is about him. Everything in the scriptures, Moses, the Psalms, the prophets, all the different categories of scripture, all of it is pointing out to him. The story is pointing forward to Jesus who gave his life as a ransom for many. Jesus who perished, who suffered death, uh, who perished so that whoever believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Jesus who chose against himself way more than we know how to understand. He chose to suffer among a people who he had made and whose life he sustained. He chose to by them be wrongly condemned though he was innocent and had done nothing but offer truth and grace to them. 
to, to suffer and be punished by God on our behalf and to die and to perish so that we may have life in his name. And in a greater reversal than just the reversal of the story of Esther, who is in the death of Christ on the cross, who we saw a reversal of fortune throughout all of history. Now the one who has died and been condemned, this greatest tragedy of God as man in our place, and we crucify him, becomes not just tragedy, but victory, but salvation. Here is hope. Here is life. Here is fortunes reversed through the choice that Christ made in giving up himself for us. And how is Jesus called to his people? Uh, What's his invitation uh, to all people uh, about himself? But he says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Um, That that I have done what needs to be done for you, and come and follow me, but in that following me, be changed like me to be able to be living in the same way. Matthew 16, he says, whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my my sake will find it. The fine verse that you could use to describe the choice that Esther is making here. Uh, Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Choosing your place. Choosing your place with God's purposes as part of his people uh, for his redemption and with him. Just like in this chapter that we read, and the story of narrative is this crux of a choice for her. And the crux of your life is a choice. And you're making it all the time. How are you choosing? How do you choose your place? So with this gospel, our reversal that Christ calls us to, are we choosing for ourselves?